Welcome to the Dixie Polis Podcast. My name is Lucas. And I'm Travis. We're Southern men de-reconstructing the South. Is that uh, any particular right. week you think's a good week? A uh, week after next, maybe? Week after next, probably better. I don't know what I got going on next week, but I know I got something. So. Okay. All right, yep. so uh, th- this is going to be, we're, I guess, talking about the upcoming food shortage and things we can do to, you know, get good. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna give my uh, prepper spiel, my proto-prepper spiel, mm-hmm. what, I was, what I was telling people before I even became halfway a prepper. So, right. Um, yeah. All right, so let's, uh, let's go ahead and start this so we can get, you know, get done and... All that stuff at a decent hour. Well, this 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 here's the 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 Dixie Polis podcast. My name's Lucas, and I'm Cletus. <laughs> well, Travis, today we're going to talk about the food shortages, as you know, our government hasn't intentionally messed up the food industry since a great deal in World War Two. <laughs> It's a, it's literally the chickens coming home to roost. I mean, we're we're so reliant on. Uh, I mean, we we mentioned this in the last podcast a little bit. We're, we're so dependent upon monocultures, monocrops, uh, chemical fertilizers, and all this other stuff that we don't know how to grow food. You know, we we have enough land to literally feed the world almost, but we're we're gonna experience food shortages. For why? For why? Well, it's a combination of factors. It's um, logistics issues because our uh, well, we had freight sitting in the the harbors in both the east and the west coast. Our current um, uh, logistics director, I can't remember the director's name. I don't care. It's another state department position. Mister Peter Buddy Gay, Buddy's Gay. Yeah. Uh, well, I always call him Booty Juice, but we'll go with that. Um, he, he was out, um, having, uh, paternal leave, uh, for those who can't see me, cause it's a podcast, huge air quotes here, uh, because he's gay. He bought a human. He did. He bought a human through a, um, how to say this diplomatically. It was a, uh. Oh, man, what's the name of it now? Uh, oh, a surrogate whore. Yeah. He used a yep. surrogate whore. Uh, the same thing that Dave Rubin's doing, by the way, which um, every member of the Daily Wire, supposedly Christian and non, um, congratulated him on. And the boys. And, and the blaze, yeah. Um, that uh, That Mormon who pretends like he's a Christian. So there's that. <laughs> Uh, even, and pretends that he's conservative. Yes, even though he denies uh, traditional Western conservatism, and he denies the Trinity. So there's that. I'm I'm in a spicy mood tonight, guys. I don't know if you could tell. Um, but I'll try to keep the uh, I'll try to keep the naughty words to a minimum. I apologize. <laughs> keep the spice. Just just don't have any spoiled words. Yeah. There you go. There you go. There you go. And it's not out of anger, guys. It's out of... Um, I just don't like hiding behind euphemisms, I guess. 
Other technically, I've used them, but they're spicy euphemisms, so they don't count. <laughs> Euphemism for the punch. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um. So yeah. Uh. But it's the logistic issue. Uh. The fact that. Uh. We've our our food industry has had to slaughter chickens, by the hundreds and possibly the thousands. Uh, because of an epidemic running through the chickens, or so they tell us. Well, uh, one of the things that... Um, so there's this book that I highly recommend. It's right over there. It's called Everything I Want to Do is Illegal. I say right over there like the audience can actually see where yeah. I'm pointing, but it's right over there. <laughs> anyway, anyways... It, We're it's doing literally... video calls, guys. We're doing video <laughs> calls. We can see. We're seeing for you here. But um, it, Joel Salatin goes into the whole spiel of uh, if, if a Tyson chicken plant comes up with a case of, you know, I don't know, freaking chicken pox. I, I can't remember what it is. Oh, uh, avian influenza. That's what it is. Avian influenza. They won't kill Tyson's chickens. They will come to every homesteader in the area, and then they will literally gas chamber your chickens. They will holocaust your chickens, even though your chickens are healthy. But because, you know, there's an avian influenza, oh, they got to stop this big bad thing. So they're just going to kill all your chickens. It's and, for your good, guys. It's for yeah. your own good. That kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> you know, quarantining the not sick so that the, you know, and letting the, the big government homos to to uh, to run rampant. Yeah. It's all for your own good. Mm-hmm. Don't let them tell you any different. But But I also thought of this podcast because it's springtime. The birds are out, the bees are swarming around, everything's blooming, and I'm getting a garden started, and I wanted to talk about gardening. And none of that is euphemism. Nope, <laughs> no, none of that, literally none of that at all, uh, none of that is at all. Um, just walking out, seeing, I'm like, oh, my cherry, my, my uh, not my cherry tree, I don't have a cherry tree, too far south for that. Uh, my, uh, my peach tree has beautiful pink blossoms on it. Um, <laughs> got some tomatoes in the ground, my peas are still... Okay, if you've never seen a seed sprouting and just like seeing all that, all that, you know, all the growth and stuff that happens from a little bitty tiny seed, that's flipping cool. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I, I don't care who, like, I can look at that for, you know, the next hundred years and I still would think that's absolutely cool looking. We are uh, currently expanding our uh, chicken count. Um, we had another 13 hatched. So congratulations, Mommy Chicken. Um, and she's pecking and hollering every time you try to move them to the, the other kennel because they're not in the kennel they need to be. Or or coop, whatever. Um Yeah, so it's uh you're you're growing crops and I'm growing chickens. I'm I'm waiting for a hen to go broody so that I can hatch out some chickens. Mm. Uh I did I see I had six I think survived last year. And they're running around somewhere. I think some of them might have ran away. Uh -oh. I never have. I never have a hawk get them. They always just run away. I've got a problem with foxes. I haven't had any. I think it's because I got dogs and goats back there. I don't really mm. have a whole whole lot of problems with that. But but uh but yeah. So let's just you know get down to the the bare bones and um, grocery stores are going to run out of food. Now what do we do about that? Well, so I'm going to give the the spiel I always give to people when we first start talking about this conversation. Um, if you haven't been 
then you probably won't have much time left to do this. Um, but you should have 50 pounds of rice and beans per person in your home. Now, right now, while supplies last in your area, uh, you can go get a big 20-pound bag of rice for, I think it was $11 is what I paid for it the other day. Um, in your area, it might vary a little bit, but not much more than that. Uh, you could get a few of those bags over the next couple weeks. Make sure you stock up well. I mean, if you got the cash then go ahead and get all of them that you can up front. Uh, get you some uh, food-grade sealed containers that you can use to store this food and put it in your closet and just hang on to it. Um, it's good to have canned meats as well because you can hold on to those for a while, like tuna and chicken. Um, you know, and then... Make sure you're stocked up on ammo and you got a couple good firearms you can go hunting with. So in case you got to live off the land for a little while, you can go hunt and collect your, collect your meat that way. Um, yeah, yeah. No, nothing we're, we're going to say tonight is absolutely groundbreaking or anything, but we're, we're, you know, for those who've never heard, those that are brand new into the area of prepping, which I'm not sure how, you know, everybody's probably heard of a prepper before. We're not the crazy, you know, 17 years worth of food style prepper. Um, I just don't think 17 years worth of freeze dried meals is a good idea because you're never going to eat them, in my opinion. Right. Uh, what What I would suggest is, is to always have, uh, j just like what Luke said, you know, have 50 pounds worth of rice and beans stored. Uh, that, that'll give you enough calories and energy for you to make it through the day and actually get your next meal. That 50 um, pounds will probably get you about three months if you're not, like, stuffing your face every time you eat. Yeah. And, and I mean, you're going to be nutrient deficient on that, but that's calories, and that's calories that will get you to survive the next right. day. Right. I mean, we're we're talking about, like, basics, right? Like, there's there's other things you can do. Like, the canned meats is really good. Um, It's, uh, I've, I've, you know, I'm, I'm not going to tell who from, but I bought some of the, I do have about four months of the freeze-dried food um, in addition to the rice and beans. Uh, so we can kind of combine those if, if we can't buy groceries for a while. Um, you know, we're working on meal plans right now where we can streamline our food. We're cooking food for two, three days in advance. Uh, so we're not, you know, breaking the bank every time. Quit, quit eating out entirely. Um, that kind of stuff. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can do. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's a lot of things you can do to kind of mitigate not only your cost of food, but also stock up. And, you know, if you don't have the cash, you can do it over a period of, you know, the next few months while things are starting to peter out. You know, you don't want to get there when the, when the, the shelves are completely empty is my point. Yeah. So I actually wrote an article about this and, uh, posted it over on, um, identitydixie.com i wrote an article i think it was my first article i actually wrote for them and i'm probably going to move that to our sub stack whenever i have time to actually sit down and rewrite it um i'll probably just take what i already have and then i'll add some and edit some and um just kind of update it a little bit and that can be that, that'll be posted to our sub stack but i'll also have the link to my original article 
in the show notes. Um, but really, it, it, you don't, you know, you don't have to buy all, all, you know, if you got a family of three, all 150 pounds all at once. You can actually just, whenever you go your next grocery store shop or grocery store, you can actually, whenever you do your next grocery store shopping spree, oh, shit, I hate that term. <laughs> next time I, you go grocery shopping? All right. You can actually, when the next time you go grocery shopping, just buy a little extra. So say you bought um, two cans of you know spaghetti sauce this week. Uh, well, then next week you're going to buy, instead of two cans, you're going to buy three cans. And instead of one packet of spaghetti, you're going to buy two packets of spaghetti. Stock the stuff you eat normally, okay, and just buy a little extra. And then just having like a rotating rotating um, system. Uh, I'm terrible at a rotating system. I, I, I just typically put cans up there. And then occasionally I'll dig them all the way, to, go all the way to the back and pull out the ones I haven't ate yet. Uh, cans are basically they don't expire if I'm being completely honest. Um, but you still want to rotate them to keep them fresh. Cause those, you know, the nutrients will start to, um, degrade. Um, what we've been talking about is, um, is self-reliance. So self-reliance is measured in time. How much, how, how, how much time can you survive just based upon, hold on, on, um what you have at your house so none none of this is original to us i'm pulling a lot of this from the survival podcast uh it's a great podcast um way bigger than us but he goes into far more in depth than than we're probably going to but anyways um self-reliance is measured in time so if you've got three months worth of food you have three months to find and store more food now, you can grow a garden in three months. It's 90 days. A lot of work, probably not going to produce all that much yield, but it'll at least get you, you know, I think radishes take 60 days. So you can at least get, you know, two acres worth of <laughs> worth of radishes planted, right? <laughs> Be having radishes for lunch, for dinner, for breakfast. You're going to get real inventive with that real quick. But, um, but, but I mean... You know, it gives you three months to actually, you know, start preparing ahead. That and within that three months, you're not expected to go through a complete famine. There's probably going to be something trickling into the grocery stores. I don't think that we're going to see totally bare, empty shelves. I just don't think the shelves are going to be as full as we're used to. I don't think it's going to be everything's always going to be there. So in uh, in South Alabama, we have this wonderful sausage called Kaneka Sausage. It is literally heaven sent. It's manna from heaven. I'm convinced of it. Um, and if it wasn't made of pork, that'd probably be what the uh, the Israelites ate in the book of Exodus. But it's made of pork, so they couldn't. Um, it's been completely out of like every store I go to. So anytime I see like one pack of it, I'm picking that crap up and throwing it in the freezer. So I'm hoarding Kaneka sausage right now. But it's not that the fact there's no food out there because I've not seen a single bare shelf since 2020, uh, which is really what got me started hard. Like I've always been somewhat of a prepper, but 2020 was what really like, yeah, I should, I should really up my prepping game and not just my prepping game, but my entire holistic view of everything game. 
So I'm gonna I got a garden, I got chickens, I had rabbits for a little while, but uh long story on that one. And I got goats. So while my self-reliance is is still at about mm, six months, maybe nine months, I I have a percentage of self-sufficiency. So self-reliance is measured in time, self-sufficiency is measured in percentage. So I'm self-sufficient up to about 15%, just if I had to guess. You know, I can live off of eggs and goat's milk for a while right now. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, for now, you know, I've got my spring garden planted. I've got, you know, I started off with my, my calorie crops, which is where I would suggest everyone that's starting a garden to start off with those. Go throw some potatoes in the ground, throw some sweet potatoes in the ground, grow peas and beans. They store forever once you dry them out. Um, and they're, you know, for one thing, I just like peas. Uh, Mississippi pink eye purple holes. Have you had them? Yep. Yep. Great staple for down in the side. It, it actually, uh, it's not the same, but it's the same but different. So uh, pink eyes are just a variation of the black eye peas. And black eyed peas actually kept a lot of Southerners from starving uh, when Sherman decided to uh, to invade the South. Uh, little known fact, and that's one that's one of the reasons why we um, we eat black eyed peas on New Year's. That's a uh, that's a good Southern tradition. It's, it brings good luck and collards. You know, collards brings cash. Um, is it collards that bring cash? I don't remember offhand. Oh, my this is a good. This is a good tangent episode, though. I like it. Well, it, but it, it it all goes back into the same same vein, right? So they were surviving off of basically black eyed peas, right? Okay, so they they had they you know black eyed peas back then weren't typically a quote unquote human food. It was more of a uh, a fodder food for the animals, but they may do. So get your cat. Don't don't worry about planting fifteen hundred tomato plants, okay? That well, for one thing, tomato plants are stinking hard to grow where I live. Uh, it gets too hot in the summer, and by the by the time it gets nice and bushy in the fall, you get your first frost and it wipes out. Ask me how I know. Um, but um, so I got my calorie crops and I got a bunch of peas. Freaking, you want you want a good calorie and nutrition? Go with some okra. Freaking, you know, six or seven okra plants will put you out the flipping yin yang and okra i got me some good okra plants okra seeds rather what kind you get i'll have to look okay i'm trying two different varieties this year one is just the regular clemson spineless which is the green okra that you normally see mm-hmm. and then apparently there's one that's good for the deeper south which is a burgundy okra um apparently it grows better doesn't produce as much but I mean, I've planted plenty, so if I don't get a good yield off of it, then I just don't know what the heck I'm doing. Which I don't know what the heck I'm doing, by the way. <laughs> I want to post a link of this. I want to interrupt you real quick. I want to post a link of this in the uh, the chat, or somehow make it the image for the podcast. I just sent it to you on Telegram. But this is why we can't have nice things. 
Food Project proposes Matrix-style vertical chicken farms. All sweet. Man-made horrors beyond our comprehension. <laughs> what the flipping A? Yep, there you go. All right, so... Put them in induced we'll probably, comas. Yeah, we'll probably keep this little segment in there. So uh, the picture I'm looking at is like a chicken. Looks like a rubber chicken, but it's an actual chicken, completely pale, in like this this brace contraption with its beak in a tube, and there's a chicken right above. This just looks. This is exactly what I was talking about with the chickenness of the chicken. Yeah. It, 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 chickens are not meant to be meant to be you know put up like that well it it it's so for everybody listening if we're going to keep this in here we'll keep it in there for everybody listening this contraption looks like so if everybody's seen if anybody's seen that movie daybreakers it's this um this uh vampire flick from uh 2009 and uh you know they've got the humans kind of in these bags hanging from the uh, these these big centrifuges where they're just collecting blood from them. That's literally what they're doing from this chicken. He's he's all hung up on this contraption up on a wall, and they just got him in in, in this induced coma, and they're just draining the chicken of whatever the chicken's producing. I would assume eggs, but that's I don't I don't know how how. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's disgusting and inhumane, whatever it is. Yes. But anyways. Oof. And that's what we're fighting against, folks. Literal Satanism. Um, yep. But um, any, anyways, uh, yeah, get your calorie crops in the ground. You know, if, you, if you're going to have a garden, I highly suggest. You know, watch some gardening YouTube channels. Uh, there's probably plenty from whatever area you're in. I know there's several in my area uh, that I watch, you know, fairly frequently. And um, But if you don't want to have a garden, then what do you want? So I'm not, we're not sitting here trying to prescribe a certain method. But I, I think every, every Southern home should have a, um, at least a small garden somewhere, you know, small garden growing peppers, small garden growing, whatever you, whatever fresh veggie that you actually like. Right. Um, so, I mean, our ancestors did it. Your grandfather probably had a garden out there and it was probably one of the best gardens you ever saw. And, um, eating, eating field peas at his house just somehow tasted different than eating field peas somewhere else. Cause he probably did his crops, right? Right. Yep, I mean, uh, he'd probably still use a sack of 10-10-10 chemical fertilizer, but it was still in cultivated in such a way. Hold on. It was still cultivated in such a way that it wasn't this giant monocropping system. Like, he didn't just go out there and try to blast all the uh, all the insects and critters that were, that were out there. Yeah, he probably put some seven dust out there, but... Yeah, you know, seven dust probably isn't the worst thing in the world. I wouldn't recommend using seven dust, um, just because I don't like using chemical pesticides. But at the same time, it, it's that that area that he's farming was not. It didn't have a high um, didn't have a high nutrient load on it, right? So whereas we see all these monocropping fields that are just you know they're they're tilling up the soil, planting 
harvesting, tilling up the soil, harvesting plant, and they're just extracting all the nutrients out of the ground. Those particular areas that your grandfather was probably gardening, even if he gardened for, you know, gardened that entire area for 50 years, he probably still added a lot more. Like he probably still added chicken crap out there, which add nutrients back to the soil. He probably still added, you know, regular household compost to it and uh, which would add more nutrients to the soil. And then it would, you know, it would reap a better bounty than these monocropping systems. Yeah, that's the um, thing I'm starting this uh, this month is uh, the uh, composting and getting a area of garden. It's it's virgin soil, so I gotta I gotta till it up. But we're um, I'm gonna end up disturbing that soil and then using it to plant some crops. Uh, if you can swing it, I would look at getting a um, um, a wheel hoe. So, so basically, instead of you going through and hoeing yourself, basically it looks it's kind of like a uh, kind of like a wheelbarrow type thing. And it's got different attachments at the bottom, and it basically weeds for you, and it's a thousand times easier. Um, I'm looking at getting one right now. I'm just using a regular old hoe, and it's uh, kind kind of a pain, but it is what it is. Because if okay. I if I don't go out there and like hoe the hoe at least two rows a day, I get grass freaking popping up everywhere uh, i don't get weeds i get daggum bermuda grass and i cannot stand bermuda grass <laughs> well it's not like regular grass right so regular grass you can kind of if if you till it over and you kind of keep it down it's not going to creep and crawl its way back into the garden but with bermuda grass it's got these long runners and so i tilled it up and those runners were still alive and that's where it stores all the sugar at and it just starts growing back and it just starts popping up through the soil again. Right. Um, so I'm going to have to just stay on that once I think so if I want persistent form of grass too. So yes, it, it really, and I like it for, you know, the animals and stuff, but it's a pain in the butt in the garden. Um, I mean, so, so let, let's talk about some styles of gardening, right? There's nothing wrong with just regular single row gardens um if you've ever been in the area of you know permaculture or uh homesteading and these newfangled designs and all that stuff um you don't you don't need a raised bed okay generally speaking you don't need a raised bed raised beds are easy okay if you've got back problems eh, get a raised bed you can sit on the ledge and weed and do all that other kind of stuff but and eh, lumber's expensive so you don't need to go out and buy, you know, a bunch of two by sixes and some four by fours. Okay. You don't need that, that and filling it in with, you know, soil and compost and dirt that, um, it gets kind of pricey and very pricey in my opinion. And, uh, when you could just go out there and double dig a bed, which is basically take a bed, you know, like mark it out. Then you scrape all the grass off, move that over. You dig it up once you dig it up a second time, and then you put all it back in there, and then you start mounding it up, and then basically you have a raised bed, but it's on the ground. So you're using what's already there, and it's easier to control. You gotta, you know, gotta still keep keep the grass off the borders, and um, it's it's a lot cheaper that way. If you've got any topsoil at all, I know there's some places out in Texas that you know you've got six inches of dirt, and then you hit a limestone slab. Um, or, you know, if your soil is just so poor a quality, 
sometimes, yeah, you might need a raised bed, but in general, they look nice, but you don't need one. Um, especially yes. not if you're just going to grow potatoes. And if you're supplementing with things like chicken droppings and stuff like that, then you should be able to revivify that soil and get some more out of it, what you normally wouldn't be able to. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing about, you know, any, anybody that's starting a garden, we're, we're just going to assume anyone listening to this is is a fair, fairly a novice at this. I mean, I'm still still kind of wet behind the ears, but I, I've, I've, I've done a lot of research. I've, I've, you know, put, you know, I've had a garden for about three years now. Steady. I've had gardens before that, but steady three years now. And um, one of the things that if you don't know, yes, you can put chicken crap on your gardens and it will grow great. However, you want to compost that down. So you want to go take that with some wood shavings, wood chips, leaves, whatever, and then compost that down for at least six months or else it's going to turn your soil very, very hot and burn it. So um, I've, I've never had anybody explain to me what hot meant until um, a couple years ago. And what that means is, is when you make, when you're making compost, if you've got your, your, your three foot high pile of compost in the center of it, it's going to be about, uh, about 150 degrees, maybe hotter. And so if you till chicken crap in your ground, well, where the roots touch, it's probably going to go ahead and activate that composting mechanism and it's going to turn hot and then it'll burn the roots up and burn your plants up. So that's just fair warning. If you want some good manure, that's not going to do that. Rabbit manure is a cold compost. You can throw it directly on your plants, and it's good to go. What else we want to cover? Um, I mean, I, I guess we could cover, um, you know, livestock. I mean, I know not everybody wants chickens. Not everybody wants goats. Some days I don't even want goats. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but but um calorie for calorie you cannot beat having livestock on your piece of property um if i could if i could swing it i would have cows i i can't swing it i don't have enough land and i don't really feel like feeding a cow uh because they're expensive and it kind of defeats the whole purpose and if you're in um, an hoa that won't allow you to have animals hate to tell you this but you need to move so that you can then, have animals uh, well, I mean, I, I, I would highly suggest you just getting out of HOAs and letting the subdivisions I mean, die. hey, if you control an HOA and you can swing it towards, you know, every house needs to have an animal, then, you know, that would probably be a good thing. Yeah. I mean, there, there's there's some that, you know, you might can bend the rules a little bit. And I'll act, we, we can actually go into some areas where you can get some calorie animals on your property, even in an HOA. Um, it just but, depends uh, on the HOA is all I'm saying. Like, yeah, some HOAs, you don't need to do anything drastic about like moving or anything. You can just do your thing and grow the grow the animals. But some of them are just incredibly, let's say, anti-animal. Yeah. Well, I mean, there, there's some like um, rabbits are not considered livestock. Um, you can get you a Californian white and um, with, I think it's, I think it's two females and one buck. You can produce about 600 pounds worth of meat in a year. And you can feed them, you can put them in, you know, put the, the, uh, the babies in chicken tractors 
and then run them over your backyard. It'll fertilize your grass. They'll eat your grass. You won't have to mow out there, depending on how big your yard is. Uh, and all that manure that the rabbits drop can go directly into your garden, and then you get beautiful, lush plants. I'm not um, going to lie. I, I know it's not, but that sounds incredibly violent to the to the rabbits. Put them, well, in, put them in chicken tractors and, oh. and fertilize <laughs> the lawn. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you think about it. I mean, your rabbits are meant to move anyway, so we're essentially taking the same thing that chickens do, and we're just replacing that. I mean, it can't be a chicken tractor. It's got to be an actual rabbit tractor because rabbits are escape artists. Um, again, it's one of those ask me how I know type things. <laughs> I had them in like a dog crate, and I'm like, oh, they can't squeeze out of this little hole. Eh, well, they squeezed out of that little hole. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> yeah, they're tricksy. We found it. Yes, they are. They tricksy. are. Um, but I mean, you know, uh, with a Californian white rabbit, uh, you're looking at in eight months after birth. I can't remember how long the gestation period is. I think it's like 21 days or something like that. Uh, eight months after that, each rabbit is an average of about five pounds. So a litter of eight, five and eight, you know. 40 pounds of meat within yep. two months. I was going to let um, you do the math. I was, uh, guys, I was sitting here watching his eyes turn. You can see the gears turning in his brain. He's trying to do the math hard. I had to take my, <laughs> I had to take my shoes off for that one. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm just kidding. I'm from Alabama. My shoes are already off. <laughs> <laughs> but, but calorie for calorie. Rabbits are the way to go if you can't have chickens because most HOAs do not classify. They classify rabbits as pets. So if they let you have a dog, they'll let you have a rabbit. Um, they're quiet, you know. So uh, Never heard a rabbit scream. Oh, I have. I have. It's blood curdling, too. <laughs> they don't typically scream a whole lot unless they like. Get, you know, if they get caught in a trap or something, they'll, or if they get caught by a, by a panther, um, then they'll start screaming. But yeah, typically, you know, you'll never even know that they're there. Uh, Chickens, on the other hand, you will know are there constantly. Yes. Uh, Especially if you have a rooster. Yeah. Roosters, uh, they do not just uh, uh, cock a doodle do in the early morning. It is all day. And as many times as they decide they need to, uh, let's say compete for the females and sometimes in the middle of the night yeah i've I've gotten home from church or something and it's like eight o'clock pitch black dark and i hear my rooster crowing i'm like what is he crowing about sun ain't even up there there was uh one particular who was right outside the window and uh my wife told me that if she heard him cry uh you know cock a doodle do one more time she's gonna stick our our rifle out the window and pop him some cocoa van i mean it wouldn't be much to cook after that i got a 308 i missed that chicken man (laughs) you hear bang and then just a red mist to go everywhere red mist and feathers (laughs) but uh uh, but yeah i mean i i highly suggest uh, no homestead is not complete without chickens uh that is my personal um um my personal opinion and uh those of you who disagree are just wrong 
Um, <laughs> well, and let me let me put this out there with the number of chickens that I've got. I've just got to a good substantial amount. You know, they gave us eleven eggs in a week, and that's slow. Uh, they're yeah. the 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 other ones. They they had thirteen other eggs that they laid that the the hen was sitting on, and you know she's hatching those. Um, not including the ten that we just got, um, got hatched not too long ago. So, um, I mean, you can get a couple of dozen at least eggs out of a chicken, out of out of some chickens over the course of the week. And I mean, eggs are just great food to eat. Yeah. Um, literally, put them in anything, cook them any kind of way. The most versatile food I've ever seen. And I know there's some five star chef who gets wind of this, and they're going to tell me some other superfood, and I'm just going to tell them, look, this is the poor man's superfood. Well, I mean, e- even in, like, the, the high-end restaurants, you know, they still have eggs, right? Eggs are the basis for many, many things. Um, I mean, j- j- okay, so just take uh, Dave Ramsey, or not crap. <laughs> Get out of debt with eggs. <laughs> So so, just take Gordon Ramsay, you know one of his famous sauces, the Holland Hollandaise. Hollandaise, yeah, that crap. Um, it it's bases eggs, you yeah. know, mayonnaise bases eggs. Um, in in fact, uh, Ramsay says that one of the first thing he does with a new chef is he tells them to make scrambled eggs because if you can't make scrambled eggs, then why are you in the kitchen to begin with? Um, Coconut meringue so. pie, egg whites, yeah. So eggs are extremely versatile, and you can you can last quite a long time off of eggs. Um, and, and we're not talking about those pale yellow eggs that you get from Walmart. Whenever I crack my eggs, they are orange. Yep. Like orange, orange. And that's because I let them eat all them like bugs and critters and stuff we can't even see uh, that are down there in the oil or down there in the earth in the old and, uh, yeah in the, i don't know why i can't talk tonight Damn, <laughs> um yeah when, when i cook the eggs uh over easy my my girl calls them honey eggs she likes the the soft yolk she'll oh, yeah she'll break the yolk open and dip her toast or rice or whatever else we're cooking with it in the in the yolk and then eat the egg and then if you want to preserve egg for long term, you so right now, you know, it's springtime. So I'm, let's see, I didn't, haven't collected eggs in a couple of days. So I had, you know, probably 36 eggs, maybe more, um, that I, that I went and got today and I boiled like 36 eggs. Um, and that's because I have a surplus sitting on my counter right now. So if you want to preserve eggs, Here's because I I was looking back in 2020 when I had a bunch of um bunch of you know extra eggs, and I'm like, how am I going to preserve these? Because I don't want them to go bad. Um, I wound up using some of them for dog food for a little while. He got tired of eating eggs. I got tired of eating <laughs> eggs. He got tired um, of smelling it after the dog ate them. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever cracked? A, have you ever cracked a rotten egg before? Oh no, I was talking about the dog farts. Oh oh no, it's worse than a dog fart though. Uh, so I've never cracked a rotten egg and I've had chickens for a while and I cracked one because yeah, the, the way, the way that my counter set up is I've got my, all my empty egg cartons that I've gotten from random people. They just give me egg cartons. I'm like, mm, thank you. 
And um, well, in the midst of the move, one full carton of eggs got pushed to the side. And yeah, we found it later. It was bad. It, it was it was really bad. But anyways, I, I caught one egg in my chicken coop, and uh, it had been sitting there for a while. And another egg just kind of eased on over and touched it a little heavy, and the thing exploded. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's what they do. Yeah, that's yeah. go. It'd go wipe your face off and wash your wash your hands and what you should do after handling chickens. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that was but, fun. Um, I've been pickling eggs. Have you have you tried pickling eggs yet? I haven't yet. No. All right. Well, I'm going to give you a real simple recipe, and you can tweak it around and uh and kind of do kind of do with you know add your little flair to it. But I um so I I give me a quart mason jar. I fill it up. I think it fits twelve eggs. I do three quarters of it with vinegar. Uh, first, I put salt in it. Uh, three quarters of it with vinegar. One quarter quarter of it with water, and a little bit of um. I might sprinkle in some dill and I might sprinkle in some uh, red pepper flakes. Mm. Let it sit for about two months. Probably some of the best eggs you'll stick in your mouth. I'll, uh, I'll add a little bit of whiskey to it just to see how it comes out. I haven't tried that yet. Uh, I, I, I pretty much stick with the same base cause I kind of like it. Mm. But, uh, if I get some fresh peppers this year, I'm going to throw some peppers in there and, uh, go ahead and pickle those. Yeah. I got some, uh, Red habaneros, they're gonna. I'm gonna make me a special spot just for those. I had the dangest time trying to get flipping um peppers to germinate this year, mm. they just did not want to sprout at all. Um, so eventually I just wound up going to town and buying some, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so I mean, that, that that these are just all simple steps that you can take to be more self sufficient, um, you know. Uh, you know that it's not a whole lot you know we're not saying that you're gonna live like a king on it but our people have done it for thousands of years you know i mean just look at the peasants back in medieval england right they they were basically eating chicken eggs and what they could grow out of their own garden and um traded around with you know other different families that were close to them and they seemed to live all right so well, and then the other thing is, I mean, it's not just, you know, our ancestors. This is how humans have acted and interacted with the land for, you know, since Adam, right? Adam was the original gardener. And, um, you know, the, the you, you've always had to stockpile. You've always had to find ways to make your food last. You've always had to... Um, you know, take care of the land, so the land will take care of you, and it's only until recently when we've had, you know, big ag and, um, you know, big chicken, um, you know, your Tyson farms that are just inhumanely putting chickens and rows, and now you've got, you know, a Matrix-style kennel for chickens. Um, you know, it, it's only until us trying to hyper centralize things that we, we started running into these issues and we've created enough distance between people and the land that people don't know how to do things anymore. And, you know, I know from my side, I'll, I'll speak as the more ignorant about this matter is, you know, I've, I've had to learn 
some of the few things I'm talking about here um, because I didn't know. You know, I wasn't raised to do these kinds of things. You know, my dad's kind of a city boy, and he he's never really thought about any of this stuff. You know, if you got something new, just go. You need something, just go to the store and buy it. You know, don't don't put the effort into the land and and all that stuff. You know, the land's there to look pretty, not to grow crops. So I'm having to retrain myself on a lot of this. This isn't, uh, you know, a conversation I'm having is, you know, what's wrong with you? It's um, you know, the the world is is very, very sick right now, and it's something that's been self-imposed. Uh, we've can we've all contributed to it in various ways, and you know we've got to repent of uh, not living properly and not living rightly, and this is part of it. You know, we need to be people of the land. We need to uh, get back to not having to rely on chickens and meat that's been cultivated and grown, you know, thousands of miles away from us, and you know everything from the slaughterhouse to the the, the the freight that it takes to get to your your place to get every every kind of disease illness and parasite known to man uh, in it and then the only way out of that as far as big ag is concerned is to throw a bunch of um you know preservatives and um you know manipulate the meat and your crops to last longer in our artificial environments you know so you know, for me, me talking about this specific issue is I'm having to repent of a lot of the things that I've been doing. Um, this is a growth period for me in this area. So um, I'm I'm sharing this because, you know, it's I'm having to I'm having a change, and I'm sharing that with people uh, during my period of growth and uh, trying to do better. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of same for me. I mean, I started back in 2020, you know, really hard into the whole homesteading type type lifestyle. Um, it, but I'm still not where I want to be, but I'm better than I was last year. Um, and I'm last year I was better than you than I was the year before, and and so on and so forth. Uh, but I've I've learned a lot, and I'm putting more into practice. Like last year, I was trying to. I was trying to be all fancy and stuff and, and Oh man, I'm going to have a no-till garden. Psh, didn't even hardly have a garden last year. <laughs> um, I still grew some peas and some okra, but I mean, nothing, nothing turned out like I wanted it to, uh, this year. I'm just, I'm going back to the basics. I'm, I'm going some single rows. Uh, I've got some, I've still got, I've got an experimental space. So I'm going to try some new stuff within my experimental space and I'm going to see how that turns out. And maybe eventually that'll replace my single row garden. Uh, maybe it won't. I don't know. But we're, we're, we're I'm just, I'm just experiencing, I'm just having fun. You know, that's all I'm doing. And yes, I'm getting food along the way, trying to get more people interested in this because we need to preserve this, this way of life. Uh, one of the things that, that, you know, the whole centralized agriculture thing, it's, it's, this isn't a new phenomenon either. Uh, there's been, er you know, different eras within history that uh, the crops were centralized. If we look at it, er any time that grains were produced in high quantity, it was a centralized agricultural system. Um, so take Egypt, for instance, within Exodus, 
Uh, grains was a big staple crop for them. Uh, humans are not meant to eat a lot of grain, but uh, it is a great way to control the population. If you know the main staple crop is grain, then it's easier for them to control the peasantry. Um, so if we, if we can get away from those type of things, the things that we need, um, these we need these big combines for, and and get away from like the market style gardens, the ones that actually produce high yields on small pieces of land, uh, then that's how we take back control. So two two quotes, and I'm probably going to butcher it. Um, it's by a man named Bill Mollison, um, and he says. Uh, um, I can't, I've looked it up and I cannot find it. The only place I can, I, I can remember it being said thoroughly is off the survival podcast. And it was, um, the first one was, is that, yes, I teach sedition. It's a peaceful sedition. Growing foods, it, growing your own food is one of the most seditious acts a human can actually do. And, um, so he's like, so yeah, I'm, I'm teaching a form of sedition right now. And that's, that's true. I mean, because, you know, if, you know, if we don't need anyone outside of our own community for anything, how can we be controlled? Uh, take what Custard said about the, uh, the natives that he went out there to conquer in within the West. You know, these are the most free people on the, on the planet earth. They, they don't need anything from anybody else. They hunt Buffalo, they eat Buffalo and that's all that they really need. Um, so in order to subdue these people, they killed the buffalo. Uh, in my opinion, that was a very, very poor move. But who am I to sit in the 21st century and, you know, have chronological snobbery, as Lewis would say. <laughs> um, the, second, the second quote is by Bill Mollison. He's like, all of the world's problems can be solved with a garden. I got into a lot of crap for saying that um, a while back and it really wasn't a whole lot of, you know, terrible crap, but just people were, people just did not understand what I was saying by that. So, so basically they were, they, you know, I was just being snided and in, in saying that, Oh, your, your, your garden is not going to change the world. Of course, these were all a bunch of QAnons, you know, they were expecting some great cataclysmic event, but, if we actually take that statement and, and think about what he actually meant by that is that all the world's problems can be solved by starting in the garden. It can be solved by taking some tomatoes to your neighbor. It can be solved by um, actually starting to become more self-reliant and self-sufficient. It can also, it, you know, it can start by getting more back into touch with the earth that you actually come from, Right. So it's not that the garden is the end-all, be-all, but the garden is an analogy. I think I mentioned this in some of the first podcasts that we were in. Uh, the garden that I use is an analogy. When I say go plant a garden, I don't mean you literally need to go plant a garden. Yes, planting a garden is cool, and it's a good thing to do, and everyone should plant a garden. But that's not what I mean by that. I mean you should take some real-world steps into actually fixing your problem. Will you close the door? All right. Well, I mean, that's part of the whole deal, right? Is, you know, being being men who work with your hands. Um, Actually, you know what? Hold on. 
What you looking for? Give me one second. This is the one I'm looking for. Sorry, I'm trying to find something, but so you know that <clears throat> this is all all part of the same outlook, the same philosophy on life. Um, you know, Paul puts this together pretty pretty succinctly in First Thessalonians four. Now concerning brotherly love. You have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. So the idea here is, you know, there, there's a lot... There's people out there who can give you a lot better advice than we have. You know, we're, you know, as Travis said, we're not bringing you anything revolutionary. We're not bringing you anything, you know, terribly crazy. Um, but all of this kind of ties in together. You know, we had podcast after podcast talking about how as men we need to deal rightly with our wives. And we need to deal rightly with our children. We need to love our children and we need to love our wives. And part of that is not being so dependent on other people. That their malice or anger towards you for doing what you're supposed to be doing can cause you undue stress, right? Or undue hardship. It's not so much about being sinful as it is about being foolish. And I know sometimes there's a fine line between those things. And, you know, I'm not here um, talking down to anybody. This is stuff that I'm having to fix myself. But, you know, the passage I just read in 1 Thessalonians 4, you know, this is what he's talking about, right? The whole picture, the big picture we're, we're going to say here is, you know, we don't want your life to be so reliant on other people that if, for whatever reason, the current powers that be that literally worship demons and hate humanity, if they decide to come down on you or uh, through the current degradation of our uh, ability to produce food uh, is starting to affect people. We don't want it to affect you. So make actual quantitative and qualitative changes to the way that you live your life so that you don't have to be reliant on people that hate you, that you can rely on the land that God gave you and that you can rely on the uh, the animals that God has given to man to cultivate and to guard over and to be stewards over. And that you can deal rightly with the land and with your family so that you can be honoring to God. Uh, work with your own hands, live quietly, mind your own business. That's what we're advocating for here. And I, I'm not even so convinced that this uh, this upcoming, you know, quote unquote food shortage, you know, I mean, obviously, if if the potato in chief, Brandon, um says that there's going to be food shortages. I don't doubt that there's going to be actual food shortages. I really don't. Uh, 
But do I think this is going to be some seven-year-long famine? No, I, I don't. Um, it, and the reason, like, I think things are going to get bad. I think things are going to get far worse than we actually seen. Uh, of course, quite frankly, uh, I, we were fairly insulated living in the Deep South. At least I was. You weren't in the Deep South. You weren't back in the Deep South at that time. But during 2020 and 2021, my life did not change all too much. Other than me getting pissed off because I tried to go out to eat and a restaurant was closed because they were being gay. Um, but... I think it's going to be worse for us coming up, but I don't think it's going to be absolutely bad. I don't think that there's going to be some mass, you know, two thirds of America's dying and fighting for food at the food lines and all that kind of stuff. I don't think it's going to be that bad. Uh, but these are ways that you can just live better no matter what happens. Um, you know, and, and if, and if nothing catastrophic happens, you're still more independent than you were before. Oh no, I have more nutritious fruits and veggies. Oh, no, whatever will I do? I'm healthier now. Right. Uh and that, and that's, you know, we're 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 saying that despite, you know, it's kind of like the hurricanes. I'm going to I'm going to bring this up because I like laughing at them. You know all the Yanks, you could tell the Yanks uh, over here in South Mississippi because when the hurricanes come up, they're the ones running and going and getting water because they forgot to buy it and stock it all year. <laughs> right? They're the ones going out and trying to rush back plywood because they haven't thought about, you know, making proper protection for the windows the whole year. Um, they're the ones rushing out and, uh, you know, trying to get this or that or extra food or, you know, the, the, little, the little camp stoves because they haven't, they haven't prepared all year, and then all of a sudden there's a, you know, a cat two or three out there, which, by the way, is hurricane party weather, but... Um, it's a thunderstorm. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, they haven't really thought about it all year, and then all of a sudden there's a impending storm on the coast, and now they're... I mean, man, they are just getting it, son. Trying to get them some, some stock-ups, right? Um... You know, and I've always had the question, you know, what are you scared of? Are you afraid? Uh, and in the South, it's a little bit easier because you can go this route. You can say, well, are you afraid of being uh, uh, stolen from in the middle of the night? Is that why you have a gun, right? And, of course, the answer is no. A gun's just an insurance policy. It's a way for you to make sure that you're not taken advantage of. But, you know, it's just a, it's just a way that in case something happens, you've got... You're prepared. You're ready to go. Uh, and this is a more passive way of doing that, right? You know, you're, the, the stuff you're doing right now, not only is it more holistic for you, your family, not only is it better for the land, but it also is just, uh, you know, it's a, it's a safeguard against an emergency where you're not going to be completely insulated at all, you know, especially if you are 15% independent. You know, you're certainly not going to be insulated. You're going to suffer should some catastrophe come through. But it's going to be easier for you to make it. Um, reminds me of that proverb that tells us, you know, go to the ant, the old sluggard, see how he saves up, you know, food for the winter. Um, think about that. Think about saving up. Think about preparing for something, anything. 
Um, you know, we did that for you know the, the the big storm Katrina, right? We 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 had some food packed away and we had some things packed away, and so when Katrina hit, we lost everything in our fridge, but we were still good because we had other dry foods that were stuck up that that were put up and put away that you know we could pull out and you know pull out a camp stove and and cook some food. You know, it's not this isn't difficult stuff. It's really simple stuff. And it'll protect you from emergencies where, you know, it doesn't have to be this grand design. I, I think these things are intentional, but, you know, call me silly on that. Food shortages are coming. Be prepared for them. I, th I think they're both intentional and not intentional at the same time. What I mean by that is I think I think that they are caused. Parts of it are caused and then other parts of it are just you know, as I said earlier, the chickens are coming home to roost. We've been, we've been being rapacious upon the land for so long, ever since, you know, uh, the great depression, uh, the new deal. And, um, now it's just, everything's catching up to us. Right. I mean, think, think about it. Why? Okay. So I just saw a graph the other day about a, um, uh, the fertilizer prices and how they are like twice as high as they were in the 08 crisis, which is the highest they were in, you know, several decades um why are we getting fertilizers from russia which is by the way that's why the the the, the prices are so high um it's um ammonia ammonia grade fertilizer ammonia nitrate fertilizer which is basically urine fertilizer uh don't people piss in the united states <laughs> seriously i mean no i mean you could be you could be doing a whole lot of stuff i mean this is the the conversation I've had about, um, you know, subdivisions, subdivisions, you know, human waste for the vast majority of human existence has been utilized for everything from building materials to, you know, uh, fertilizer, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the I, I'm not saying that we should do this, mind you, but I'm saying they have done it. Uh, the the english used uh uh you know they used human waste for you know the the packing for their walls right the they they would they would put up a a rough wooden uh uh uh, uh skeleton basically and then mix the human waste in with with dirt and plaster and then you know pack it up there and I mean, we've been incredibly uh, ingenious about how we've used our waste up until the last hundred years, um, and now we think we can just recycle, you know, poo and piss water, and we're good. Um, I, th I think it was uh, it was also the English that were digging up dead bodies to use as fertilizer at one point. Well, I'm not suggesting that we go grave robbing, but I am. <laughs> no, I'm, <not laughs> I'm just I'm saying, you know, you don't have to do any of this, and I'm not suggesting you do. I'm saying that you don't have to be rapacious on the land, and we have been for so long that you know, like you're saying, chickens coming home to roost. Uh, this is just the just desserts that we've we've stored up, you know, or the, you know, as the old battle hymn goes, the grapes of wrath. Um, so it was something, this is a little tangent, but, uh, your subdivision thing brought it to mind. Um, actually it was on Esoteric Americana. 
Um, hold on, let me pull it up. By the way, I think this whole podcast big attention. <laughs> we can uh, we can take some of that, some of this out of there, but we've been a little tangential. Okay, so uh, Esoteric Americana sent us posted earlier. One of the Google alerts we keep at Esoterica is Gulf Fisheries Disruption, and it's a never-ending wellspring of horror. Uh, the headline for this is Fish on Valium. A multitude of prescription drugs are contaminating Florida's waterways and marine life. Uh, I read part of the article, and essentially it's uh, prescription drugs that is being flushed in South Florida subdivisions going, and uh, here, I'll actually share this with you. Um, it's um, subdivisions are flushing prescription medicines down the toilet, and it's getting into the Gulf. And uh, essentially um, making the fish gay. Well, and you know we've we've mentioned the whole issue with you know estrogen chemical uh, 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 estro- it's it's chemical estrogen artificial estrogens being being uh, saturated in the in the water table and in the soil, affecting um, development in in men and boys. Um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of this stuff going on right now. And it's because we've, we've created this really terrible way of living and to cope with it, we're, we're having to medicate ourselves and we're having to manipulate our bodies, um, uh, physiologically and chemically and, um, just to, just to feel happy. We, we, we can't feel fulfilled with the life that God has given us, we we have to make it entirely artificial and then you know take antidepressants because we've destroyed what it means to live. I don't even think it's feeling happy though. I think it's it's just to not feel at all. Well, I mean, I mean it, it's or, because yeah. they're they're so depressed that you know the only thing they do feel is depression. Uh you know, um and you know, without getting too crazy about this you know the 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 certain um adolescent shooters that are always brought up um you know you know jordan peterson talks about this occasionally um you know that they were really they were so angry at life that they wanted to go out in the most painful way for other people like they wanted to get out and they wanted to hurt as many people along the way as they could. And we're we're breeding entire groups of people like that that just express that that demonic and um uh, uh that that image of Mephistopheles as much as they can, uh just through different means. Well, I guess we can go ahead and wrap this up and um I guess we can we can each recap uh, a little bit. Um, you know, grow yourself a garden. You know, if you're worried about the upcoming food crisis, and you probably should be, um, then I would suggest starting a garden. Put some calorie crops in the ground first. Uh, potatoes are really easy to grow. You just throw a potato in the ground and put some dirt over it, and um, just keep them covered. Anytime you start seeing potatoes pop up, just keep them covered, keep them mulched. And uh, you should be able to produce, you know, 
quite quite a good number of potatoes and um if you don't have ground to do it i have grown them in containers before uh they don't do quite as well as in the ground um it could have just been the medium i was using but it, you know uh get yourself some livestock if you you know if you're feeling up to it uh i would suggest starting with either rabbits or chickens um rabbits are a great source of protein um you know they're relatively quiet and they'll fertilize your lawn and uh yeah just uh just just be prepared you know just just be prepared take it take baby steps and i don't really like that term baby steps um you know because any any step towards your your own freedom and liberation is in a baby step it's a gigantic leap you know it's uh especially con- considering how we were raised and how our our culture just hates natural things in general yeah um you know as far as my end you know i know this uh this podcast been a little bit of a rant session across the board um but you know really the whole thing kind of goes back to that quote from you know first Thessalonians that i i brought up earlier um you know we're we're just talking about as far as it relies on you, be at peace with everybody, work with your own hands, mind your own business, live quietly. Uh, and part of that is making sure that your your family is good on food. And in case something happens, or if, it, you know, in case something happens, you have extra food, but also the process of developing that food, growing that food, or cultivating the animals or the crops that give you food uh is just a healthier way to live in general so it's it's much more returns on what you're trying to invest in and just going to the store and buying whatever you're trying to buy hey y'all thanks for listening in on our podcast if you like what you hear please share and comment wherever you're listening to it and check out our gab page at dixie polis podcast if you want to contact us please send an email to dixiepolis at protonmail.com or send us a message on gab if you like the music we're playing, hang out a little while and let the song finish. It's Wayfaring Stranger by Southern Raised, and you can listen to them on YouTube or go to their website at southernraisedbluegrass.com. God bless y'all. I know dark clouds will gather around me. I know my But beauteous fields lie just before me, where God's redeemed their vigil keep. I'm going there to see my Savior, to